Let's uh, bow again. Father, we uh, again come before you and thank you for this opportunity to corporately come together to worship you. And I do pray that as we come into your word, that you would help us understand, that you would uh, teach us through your spirit, Lord God, so that we would respond uh, and do what you desire us to do as we trust your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that uh, we would not take your commands lightly, but that we would take them seriously and then allow you to work in us that which is pleasing to you. So we thank you for this morning and this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every so often you hear of a news story, a horrible news story where someone has been kidnapped or whatever it might be. It's even more horrible when it has to do with children. I think just a little while ago last week there was uh, a lady that came into a, a gas station and passed a note basically saying, I'm in this car, I'm going this way, I've been kidnapped. And they got the bad guy. But the reality is when you're kidnapped, you become a captive. You become a captive to the will of the one who has taken you. It's a horrible thing. It's a terrible thing. And we look at that and we, 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 we recognize how evil it is. But yet, in the church, there's actually a lot of kidnapping going on also that the church doesn't seem to really care about, doesn't seem to even know about, where people are being kidnapped Sunday after Sunday, week after week, by uh, those who would share uh, man's wisdom packaged as God's word. Taking captive believers, in a sense, as we'll see today, uh, in their walk with Jesus, pulling them away from the sufficiency of Christ. And it's so subtle and it's so devious, yet it is so deadly. So we are studying the book of Colossians. And so if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 8, where we're going to see how we can escape the, the trap of those who would, who would snare us up or pull us away from the sufficiency of Christ how to not be taken spiritually captive. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Now, remember, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Colossians, and he has not personally visited them, but he has heard from Epaphras about their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love for the saints. And he has praised the Lord and prayed for them, and he has made it clear that it's his desire that they and we would be filled with the knowledge of his will, that we would walk in a manner worthy. As God's word, his will is filling us up, uh, then we walk in a manner uh, worthy. And along with that, he's also made it clear that, and we'll see it today, that there were threats. Evidently, uh, there were those who were trying to delude these Colossians with persuasive arguments. And we saw in chapter 2, verse 23, which we'll look at a little bit today, that the things that they're bringing to them religiously are of no value against fleshly indulgence. You see, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you don't want to give over to the flesh anymore. You don't want to sin. You don't want to do those things. And evil men and imposters will come up with ways to help you in your relationship with Christ. But as we're going to see, those ways are that which takes you captive. And so the Apostle Paul, in his solution to these uh, threats, shares the person of Jesus Christ. 
And that's what chapter 1 is about. It's about Jesus Christ. He is the creator. He is the one who brought about this first creation. For through him and by him, all things are created. And he is also uh, the God who brought about the new creation. Through, through dying for our sins and rising from the dead, it is through Christ that we are saved. It is through Christ that we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then it's from that point the Apostle Paul begins to share his ministry in light of, as we'll see today, the bad guy's ministry. He shares what true biblical ministry should look like as it came through him versus what is happening to the Colossians and what will happen to every believer as we're tempted and the threats are out there. Indeed, we see that authentic ministry has God's men ministering. We saw that. The Apostle Paul called uh, to do God's word, to his, his will, to share God's word, to fully proclaim his word. We also saw that uh, God's uh, messengers and God's ministers uh, bring forth God's word. They proclaim God's message. And that message is Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And they do so with God's methods. He says, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man that we may present every man complete in Christ. It's through the admonishing and teaching of the word of God, proclaiming Christ, that we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we saw that those who truly are his ministers struggle for the body of Christ. They labor in this and they are concerned uh, for the flock. They're concerned and desire to protect them from those threats to their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, we're going to look at today, uh, chapter 2, verse 8 of Colossians. Again, if you would turn there. Now, I'm going to back up and I'm going to read up through that from the end of chapter 1, okay? But we will be looking more specifically at chapter 2, verse 8. Chapter 1, verse 28, And we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, that we may present every man complete in Christ. And for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. For Chapter 2, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth which comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with a persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And now our passage. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So how can we keep from being spiritually enslaved? How can, that, how can we stay away from that? First of all, we're going to see that we need to heed the warnings, and we need to watch out. We need to beware lest we be taken 
uh, deceptively away from Christ. Again, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. We're going to see, first of all, in this short but powerful verse, that we need to be on the alert. We need to see to it. This is a present imperative uh, command. It means uh, beware, take a look. It actually, the word really in its, in its, in its basic uh, function means to, to look out. But if you're seeing to something, you're looking to be aware of something. And it's often translated beware or, or to watch out. It speaks of watching out for danger, for danger. If you say beware of something, you're saying there's danger. You need to watch out for it. You need to see to it that you don't allow that danger to come upon you or stumble into it. So he says, see to it. And what is he warning us about? God is warning us about something. He's warning each and every believer here. See to it that no one takes you captive. That no one takes you captive. The term or the participle translated takes you captive is in a present tense. It speaks of continually, habitually being taken and held captive. Uh, it speaks of being forcefully carried, forcefully carried off, and it implies that the person taking you is receiving the booty of, of you in terms of that captivity, taking someone away. It speaks of kidnapping. It speaks of taking someone. And in a rare a wordplay here, quite possibly to reveal who these people were at that time, Everyone says it's the Gnostics, but as I look at chapter 2, I see a very Jewish influence here, by the way. And this word here takes you captive. Uh, Sulagulon is very close to Sunagugan, the synagogue. Very close. It's quite possible a wordplay there to kind of illumine who these people might be at that time. But we're going to see he doesn't identify them specifically because the same bad people use the same techniques no matter who they are. But we're going to see possibly who they are. See to it that no one takes you captive. Now, this is an interesting phrase in the original language, and it's difficult to translate. You could translate it this way because there's an extra verb in there, the verb amy, to be. It's, you could say it this way, and it's in the future tense. See to it, that's an imperative command, lest someone shall be the one captivating you. See to it, lest, there's a negative, someone be the one captivating you. The implication is if you're not looking out, you're going to get taken captive. Lest you be taken captive. Lest someone be the one taking you captive or carrying you as spoil. As spoil. We're going to see the bad guys. You're basically spoil in the sense that they follow you. They receive applause from you. They are elevated because of you. They receive money, whatever it might be. We'll see the motives of false teachers. See to it lest someone shall be the one captivating. And then it is, again, from the south, you all. It's to, to plural. You all, captivating you all. Watch out. Watch out. And the implication is if we're not obedient to this command, that we could be taken captive in the future. It's future tense. Shall be taken captive. Now remember what he said in verses 3 and 4. He talked about the absolute sufficiency of Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
I say this, verse 4 of chapter 2, in order that no one may delude you with persuasive argument. The term delude, we saw this in our last time together, speaks of uh, reckoning wrongly. Para lagidzomai, reckoning, but reckoning alongside what should be right, but it's wrong. It speaks of being deceived by false reasoning. And the term persuasive speech speaks of uh, uh, that which is uh, a speech that brings about a plausible argument to to make you uh, agree, to, to bring you to influence you to believe something. A plausible argument uh, designed to delude you, to delude you. So here, there are evil men and women, as we see, who use persuasive sweet, sweet speech to delude by false reasoning believers. And they're to deluding them from the sufficiency of Christ and from his wisdom alone, which is in his word. Because in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We saw also that as we have received Christ, we are to walk in him. And the context is faith. They're trying to pull you away from the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and trusting in him by believing his word. Remember, when we came to faith, we believed the gospel. Paul shared with the Thessalonians, he praised God that they received it, not as the word of men, but the word of God, which it really is, which performs its work in you. They heard the gospel that, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that he rose, he was buried, he rose from the dead. That God took on human flesh, he died for us, and God calls upon all men everywhere to repent. And you believe that. And you didn't go out and do anything, you actually believed. And you trusted in Jesus for salvation. And that is how we walk. We believe what he says in his word and we abide in Jesus. And we trust him. And there are those trying to pull you away from the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And it is very subtle, it is very sneaky, and it is very devious, and it is very deadly. You see, we have everything we need in Christ. And God has given us his word, his very will, his very words. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. It's in a real relationship with Jesus uh, who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises. We have the word of God. We have the word of God, the very words of the Lord. We have the mind of Christ revealed by the spirit of God in the scriptures. When we trust in anything other than Christ alone, or we add to what Christ has done, when we bring in human wisdom to follow Jesus, we become enslaved. We become captives, and we are carried off. You see, when we buy into the world's wisdom, as we'll see, packaged religiously, by the way, very deviously, it's not so obvious, it's devious, they're persuasive arguments, They're designed to deceive and lead believers astray. But we're going to see this worldly wisdom packaged religiously is of no value against fleshly indulgence. It actually takes you captive. You become a prisoner to it. 
And there's a lot of prisoners in churches these days who have bought into the wickedness of man packaged as the Word of God. Now, when we look in our passage, we're going to see that these evil men and imposters say things that appear to be religious. That, I get that from our, our context of chapter 2. Notice uh, what uh, chapter 2, verse 18 says. Look up a little farther. Let no one keep defrauding you continually, habitually, of your prize by delighting in self-abasement. Now, the NASB says self-abasement twice here, as we'll see. It's really the word humility. It's humility. Now, they've translated it self-abasement because it's spoken in a negative sense. The bad guys delight in a false spiritual humility, by the way. We've seen that, haven't we? False spiritual humility. And also, he says, the worship of angels taking his stand, speaking to the bad guys, uh, and visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. These bad guys uh, here, these bad guys appear to be religious. They appear to be humble, and they appear to have spiritual experiences, at least at that time. And obviously this false humility was used in the context of spiritual experiences to manipulate believers to believe the world's wisdom packaged as God's wisdom. Look a little farther up in uh, Colossians 2.23. These are matters... Now this is the same argument. He's moving up through the chapter, by the way. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and humility, by the way, self-abasement, and severe truth of the body. Hey, they, they appear to have wisdom. They're religious in nature, but they're not useful for anything. These people have false humility with a false religion packaged with the appearance of wisdom. With the appearance of wisdom. But remember, in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, that's how we're protected. So Paul makes these Colossians understand the threat is real. Beware. They're out there. And for us, he says, beware of the very real threat. And now that verb to be is in an indicative mood. What does that mean? It's the mood of reality. It's a real thing. It's not a might be. It's not a subjunctive like this could happen to you. Beware. It's real. It's real. Paul is emphasizing the very real threat of being taken spiritually captive and maybe not even knowing it. The command is for all of us to obey. Beware. Beware, lest you be carried away by someone. Lest you be carried away. Question is, are you, are you obeying the command? Now, this doesn't mean we're going out and pointing at everything and everything. We're just alert. We're, we're, we're aware. When you know the word of God and you rely on the Christ and his word and you know his wisdom, it helps you spot the false stuff. That's why we need to be built up. Pieces chapter 4, God gave pastors teaching for the equipping of the saints. He talks about then we're no longer tossed like children to and fro by various winds of doctrine, by the deceitfulness of man, craftiness and deceitful scheming. As we grow in Christ, we're protected from these false things that come our way to try to help you in a relationship with Jesus. So then, he's commanding us to be, be aware Otherwise, we could be taken as booty, as captive, captive, as the booty of someone else. Are we obeying it? There's dangers out there. We need to be thinking about it. 
Brothers and sisters, we are being bombarded with plausible, reasonable arguments and buying into them hook, line, and sinker. They have much truth, yet at their core, they introduce some facet of, as we'll see, the world's wisdom. The world's wisdom. I remember back in the 90s when the purpose-driven church came out. And then the purpose-driven life. Had a lot of Bible verses in there. So many people took it hook, line, and sinker. Churches, 40 days of purpose. Read those books. It's full of man's wisdom. Uh, having you do things, uh, taking away from the sufficiency of Christ. People were taken captive Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. 40 days. And even still captive. We need to wake up. False teaching is any teaching that chips away at the absolute sufficiency of Christ by lessening, twisting, perverting, whatever it might be. You see, bad guys will come in and give you a verse and then they'll sit there on the couch and discuss your problems and address those things and give you the world's ways to fix them. Actually, they divert you from what you really need to think about, not your problems. You need to be confessing sin and thinking about Christ instead. Ultimately, they proclaim a man-centered way to do the God thing, using his word to support their argument. But they twist it. You might be asking, how does this teaching enslave you? Well, it suddenly pulls the focus off the sufficiency of Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we're going to see that uh, they take you captive according to these worldly wisdoms rather than according to Christ, as we'll say. You see, we need to have the word preached to us. Paul will tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for approval, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And then he says, I solemnly charge you, Paul to Timothy, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in kingdom. Wow, this is going to be a big charge, isn't it? Yes, it is. Preach the word... Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. That's their worldly desires. That's the way the world functions. So how are we enslaved when we focus on our relationship with the Lord through ourselves, through our own wisdom, through man's means? It just brings bondage where we need another fix-me-up every Sunday. We need another pep talk to get us through the next issue in our lives. We're in bondage all week long. Rather than being equipped by the Word, changed by the Word and the God of the Word, and then having it dwell richly in us that we might not sin against thee. Let's not be naive. Let's be on guard. We saw this in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus said, beware, verse 15, the prophets, false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. We know from 2 Corinthians 11, the apostle Paul unmasks the, the false apostles. He says uh, in ch- chapter 11, verse 13 of 2 Corinthians, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, or workers of deceit. That's their job, they're deceiving, that's their work. Disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising. We shouldn't marvel at it if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end is according to their deeds. 
We know that Jude, while he was making every effort to write about our common salvation, felt the, 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 the leading of the Spirit of God, as we see here, to call us to contend earnestly for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. Right? So keep your eyes peeled. Be on the alert. Be on the alert. It's a command. It's a warning to heed. You see these things. You see these little little things coming across in the Christian communities, uh, whatever it might be. You'll see it like there was the promise keepers back before. You know, keep these promises. Actually, what they're saying is good, but the way they're doing it is wrong. I'm going to make a commitment to obey God in that context rather than trust in Jesus. It's it's just a subtle twist. If you do these seven things, then you're going to be walking with the Lord right. That's not true. It's when we abide in Christ we're able to do those things, as we're going to see. It's very subtle. It's very twisted. And that's coming back, by the way. It's coming back. Promise keepers are coming back, by the way. It's very subtle. Little things like that. And again, some of the things that are being said are not wrong. But they're sucking you in and then using the world's wisdom for you to follow the Lord. So... Back in our passage. Be careful lest someone shall be the one who takes you captive. Be careful. That's literally how it is. Lest someone shall be the one who takes you captive. Now, we've just touched in this a little bit concerning how they do it and the way they do it. And I've shared some illustrations, but these will help us see those illustrations rightly. Notice, they do so through philosophy and empty deception. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Here we see primarily these spiritual kidnappers take you captive as their spiritual booty through philosophy and empty deception. The term philosophy simply means love of wisdom. Now that's not bad in and of itself. But it's the type of wisdom that is in question. Is it man's or God's? Is it man's or God's? The world sees philosophy as man's wisdom. The philosophers, they just thought up their own things. They didn't share God's word. They shared their view on how the world operates. That's philosophy. They shared their view. Here, in the context here, this philosophy is speaking of human wisdom. It's human wisdom. Again, look at verse 23. These are matters to be sure have the appearance of wisdom. They have the appearance. They appear to be a wise way to follow the Lord. They have the appearance of wisdom, but it's not God's wisdom. Or God wouldn't say, watch out. God wouldn't say they're going to take you captive through it if it was his wisdom. It's not his wisdom. Remember, in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he's saying this, that you would not be deluded by a persuasive argument. Two types of wisdom we see in Scripture, man's and God's. Wisdom from below and wisdom from above. We talked about this last time. We were in Colossians. James chapter 3 talks about it. Uh, The wisdom from above, the wisdom from below. Wisdom from uh, below is earthly, natural, and demonic. James chapter 3. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we see that the gospel exposes the, the evil of man's wisdom and, and calls it to task and exposes it. And no one can get saved through their own wisdom. It's God's wisdom through his word that brings about salvation. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now remember, these guys are packaging things which may have good stuff in them. That's why people fall for it. But ultimately, it's packaged in a way that pulls away from the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. You've got to do these things rather than God doing them through you. It's a subtle twist. It's a subtle twist. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message that the gospel is preached to save those who believe. You can't come to know God through the world's wisdom. You can't. You can't. It is through God's wisdom revealed in his word concerning Jesus Christ that we come to know him. We know that the Lord gives wisdom. Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That's where his wisdom is. And we looked at this before. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. All throughout that, the Apostle Paul is, is addressing the, 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 the pride of the Corinthians in these first three chapters. Ultimately, that no one would boast before the Lord. And he gives his testimony in chapter 2. And his testimony was that he didn't come with persuasive words of wisdom proclaiming to you uh, the, the, the word of God. He said he didn't do that, but he came in the power of the Spirit. And he said, yet we do proclaim wisdom, but it's God's wisdom, a wisdom that uh, if the rulers of this world would have known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. It's a wisdom that was hidden, but is now revealed to us through the Spirit. We have, 2 Corinthians 2, the mind of Christ. And in him are the treasures of wisdom. Anything that pulls you away from so subtly, personally trusting Jesus in that circumstance is not from the Lord. We walk by faith. The same way we believed in him when we got saved, we walk that way. And there are little systems of following Jesus. And again, I mentioned those promise things. Hey, so those promise things are great. They're wonderful things. Yeah, I want to love my wife. Yeah, I want to, I want to be a light to the world. Yeah, those are great things. But you can't promise God you're going to go out and do that. God does that through you when you abide in Jesus Christ. I'm not saying we don't make commitments to follow. We want to do that. I'm saying the promises don't keep you to do what God wants you to do. It's Christ through his power and strength. In him are all the treasures. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We have everything we need for life and godliness. If you believe that, you're not going to get held captive. If you believe that. We have this precious and magnificent promise. The world comes by and says, your problem needs this. This is the way you're going to deal with your problem. This is the way you've got to deal with it. Folks, evil men and imposters will bring wisdom packaged in persuasive arguments using man's wisdom, uh, philosophy packaged religiously to deceive. Packaged religiously. Jesus and his word is all we need. You say, but no, Jesus 
and His Word is all we need. He is sufficient. In Him are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the Creator. He holds everything together. He brought about salvation. Everything you need is in Jesus Christ. It is in Christ. And the bad guys so subtly, religiously, will pull you slightly off kilter and take you captive. It's through philosophy. That's man's wisdom, by the way. It's man's wisdom. And then he says, empty deception. Now, uh, there's some that say this empty deception the way it is in the sentence originally. It just describes the philosophy. That's true. I think that's true. But it, it could be it's also describing one other element or it's something independent of that. Either way, it's philosophy, empty deception they take you captive with. And the term here, uh, empty, speaks of hollow. It's empty. It's deception and uh, this in the context of man's wisdom that is empty. There's nothing there. The tactics false teachers use are empty, hollow, and deceptive. And that deception has no real valid spiritual content. There's no real valid spiritual content. We saw this again in chapter 2, again, verse 23. He says, uh, these, with these are of no value against fleshly indulgence. They have no, no, no value. The, the false religious ways they try to get you to follow Jesus have zero value in your relationship with Jesus. Zero. No value. It's empty. It's empty. But notice, this error will come in a deceptive package. Empty deception. Be on the alert. It's going to be deceitful. Yes, you're going to say, yeah, I want to follow the Lord. Yes, I want to, I want to love my wife. Yes, I want to do this. Yeah, I want to do that. Yes. But you got to be careful. How has it come about? How does that come about? False wisdom is inadequate and completely incompatible with God's wisdom, and it takes you captive. Beyond the alert, Paul calls them uh, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ, those ones in 1 Corinthians 11. Beyond the alert, it's hollow, deceptive wisdom. It's human in origin. And it encompasses the heart of sin, which is pride, which is actually self-sufficiency rather than Christ-sufficiency. Well, how else does he describe it here? He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. Now, we're going to see a little later on that this philosophy and this empty deception actually came in the context of the Old Testament scriptures. That's kind of interesting. came with scripture being twisted, by the way. We'll show you that in a minute. We'll show you that in a minute. So here, notice he says, according to the tradition of men. So he's going to say it's through philosophy and empty deception, and it's according to these things, uh, the tradition of men, the elementary principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So the first thing he says is according to the traditions of men. Now, traditions in general are just things that are passed on from one human being to another. What's the point here? This hollow deceptive wisdom is human in origin. It's according to the traditions of man. It's hollow deceptive wisdom, human in origin, encompasses the heart of pride. It's earthly, natural, and demonic. And thus it's inadequate and completely incompatible with God's wisdom. Folks, false teachers take the traditions of men and package them 
as the teaching of God. Remember what Jesus shared when he reproved the Pharisees for their religious traditions of men, how this teaching actually squeezes out and invalidates the truth of God? Turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. And the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered together around him, and when they had come, when they had come from Jerusalem and had seen some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands. Now, kids, it's okay to wash your hands, but this is different, okay? He says here, thus observing the traditions of the elders. For when they come to the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why? Do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of man. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your traditions. And later on in verse 11, he'll say that thus they invalidate the word of God by the traditions which they have handed down. Man's traditions underneath this hollow deceptive wisdom invalidate God's word. Invalidate God's word. Indeed, as we study chapter 2 more in more depth, we're going to see these false teachers had a Jewish background in this context, and they were taking the law out of its context and pointing to the need to follow it to be holy. They were taking the shadows that pointed to Christ, uh, which then uh, would, in focusing on those shadows, would take away from the sufficiency of Christ, who fulfilled the shadows. Look up a little bit in, second, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. He says, this is to Gentiles, by the way. Therefore, let no one act as your judge. Don't let, don't let anyone tell you what to do in a religious sense. Being, you know, hey, why aren't you doing that? You're not following the Lord right. You know, whatever it might be. Don't let them act your judge in regard to food or drink or if respect to a festival, new moon, or Sabbath day. Those are very Jewish. That's from the Old Testament. He says here, things which were a mere shadow of what's to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Don't let anyone take the shadows and twist them from their original meaning to pull you away from Christ. That's actually, as we see, the traditions of men using Scripture wrongly, by the way. So we're going to see. He's going to talk about all these twisting of scriptures and call it the elementary principles of the world. We always think of it as the world, as the world's wisdom. No, it's, it's the world taking God's word and twisting it for their own benefit, their own way. He says here, mere shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And when God's word is ripped out of its context in a deceitful manner, it becomes the teaching of men, by the way. It becomes the teaching of men. God didn't teach that. That wasn't brought forth from God. Men took it, they twisted it, and now it is the teaching of men. Look a little farther in verse 20. 
He says, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, we're going to see that little bit. That's the same word in our passage, stoichio. It speaks of the ABCs of the world. If you've died to that in Christ, he says here, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? Those were things the Jews would say based on the Old Testament. Oh, you can't have a ham sandwich. You can't do that. Do not touch that, right? Do not handle, do not taste, right? They took the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and twisted it out of its context. We know that the Old Covenant was to reveal sin. And we know that you couldn't keep the law, it would expose your sin. But you could keep the one command, Deuteronomy 28 through 30, to, to call upon the Lord. You could keep that one, but you couldn't keep the rest. You need your heart circumcised. You need to be changed by faith. And so here... He says, uh, which refer to things destined to perish with using in accordance with the commandments and teaching of men. He says, so these are matters to be sure have the appearance of wisdom. They appear to be wise. And of self-made religion, self-abasement or humility and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. These deceptive, hollow philosophies can come in a biblical context. But when they are not of God, they are the traditions of men. They say, you got to do this. This is the way we've done it. you got to do this. This is the way it's done. you got to do it this way. No. It's hollow, deceptive wisdom. It is human in origin, and it encompasses the heart of pride, uh, which is heart of sin, which is pride. It's focused on man's teaching packaged religiously and is dependent on man's ability to do those things. These are the trademarks of false teachers and teaching that will enslave you where you have to do. You see, we are able to do when we abide in Christ. We trust in him. He enables us to do. Faith will work, but you don't work to believe. You don't, it's not the opposite way around. So notice here, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. Notice he adds to this, according to the elementary principles of the world. Wait a second, there's a group of elementary principles? <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. It's, it's, it's a joke there. The elementary principles of the world. Okay? This is that word I mentioned earlier, stoichion, which means could mean elemental spirits, could mean the elements in the, the world in a sense. But here it literally means things in a row. Like A, B, C. Things in a row. That's what it means. Simply means, it even spoke with the letters of the alphabet, the ABCs. You think about it, what are the ABCs? That's the basics, right? You gotta get back to the ABCs. You gotta get back to the basics. And he says here, according to the ABCs of the world. Now what are the ABCs of the world? The world is the sphere of non-believers, that's how they function, as Satan is their, is the, is the world of this world. The elementary principles are basically how the world operates, okay? But it's religiously twisted. The world operates on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, 1 John chapter 2. Those are the things in the world, right? Without Christ, the world is centered around self. Now, it can be packaged very religiously, by the way, but it's still self-centered. The motive is for self. The motive is whatever it might be. People get caught up in false doctrine because they want something, by the way. They want something. 
Indeed, we have this same word used to speak of that which is in a religious context. Look again at uh, verse 20. If you have died with Christ to the what? Stoichia, the elementary principles of the world. You died to living the way you used to live by the ABCs of how the world functions. You died. Now you trust Jesus. As you have received, you trust Jesus. You don't rely on yourself. You don't rely on others. You don't focus on your own wisdom or, or man's wisdom. You believe in God's wisdom. If you've died to that, if Christ put you, you, you would, you would, you were crucified with Him and you're dead to that now, He says here, why do you, as if you were living in the world, submit yourself to decrees? Now these are religious decrees. Such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch which refer to things destined to perish with the using in accordance with the commands and teachings of men. They look, they look wise, but they're not. So here we see, religiously speaking, mankind's wisdom has a bunch of rules to keep one from sinning. bunch of rules. bunch of rules you've got to do to be right with Jesus, whatever it might be. It's a false gospel, by the way, too. We don't need to do anything to be saved except believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you have to have a genuine belief. And you've got to repent. That's, that's part of believing. I realize I'm sinful. Lord Jesus, save me from my sins. So we see, religiously speaking, it's man's wisdom couched in the context of religion. Religion. It's man's wisdom. It's all external rather than Christ other than Christ, working through us in his word. The bad guys come to you and they take you captive through philosophy, empty deception according to the tradition of men, elementary principles of the world, to enslave you. Inevitably, all this false religion is designed to enslave you and it's brought forth by those who delight in false humility and phony religious experience, at least in this context. You have a list of things you got to do. You know, if you want a better marriage, here's what you got to do. Now, if you want to be a better worker at work, here's what you got to do. Now, none of those things may be wrong at all. It's just flipped on its head. It's the cart before the horse. We do those things when we abide in Jesus and he gets the glory, when we trust in him and his word is working. Same thing I mentioned about the promise thing. No, those promises are bad. It's the, it's the order of it. It's where your heart is. It's where your heart is. They say you got to do it. Don't do this, don't do that, don't handle this, don't touch that. Scripture ripped out of context, but it has no value against fleshly indulgence. Let me give you an example. You sin, and you don't want to sin, you hate it. And you say, Lord, I'm sorry, and you want to make it up to him. You can't make it up to him. You need to believe that he has forgiven you. And you need to trust him and know that he will deliver you from temptation if you trust him. You've got to get close to Jesus, you say. You've got to walk with him as you received him, so walk in him. You can't make up anything to the Lord. You can't go out and do, I'm going to do better. No, Lord, I need you to protect me. I need you to guide me. I trust you to help me, Lord Jesus. It's different. Very subtle, isn't it, right? See to it that you don't get taken captive by man-centered, deceitful, defrauding, phony religious philosophies that are in contrary that are in opposition and contrary to Christ. Look at what it says here. 
See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. We are vulnerable for those books that say this is how you can have better marriage. Hey, if they point you to Christ and abiding in him, praise the Lord. But if they don't, you're going to be entrapped. You're going to be held up. You're going to be captive. If it's talking about the things you got to do and it's not apart from his wisdom, if it's apart from his wisdom and his abiding in him, hey, it's not from the Lord. It's human wisdom packaged it religiously. Don't do it. That's why all these shows drive me nuts. These radio shows. You drive along, you have this family shows, you hear this stuff about how to have better marriage. They don't talk about the word of God and trusting Christ and confessing sin. They don't say that. And guess what? A lot of people spiritually captive in bondage. Bondage. He says, rather than according to Christ. All those things are in contradiction to Christ. End of verse 8. Christ is the one in whom all the, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Our walk began by faith in Jesus Christ, and it is by faith in Jesus Christ we live every day. But you've got to be built up in his word. He uses his word to change us. He equips us. He makes us complete through his word. You see, the bad guys don't preach Christ. They preach little verses here and there, but then they're really their messages are all kind of a fix-you-up uh, pep talk, for spiritual pep talk for the weak, rather than abiding in Christ and trusting in him. Bad guys want you to walk by your own power and ability, following a system that they've brought forth to you to deceive you to think you're following Jesus through them, by the way, in a sense. When you came to faith, you didn't do that. You didn't do anything. You didn't read a book, Five Ways to Come to Faith in Jesus. You, you, you heard the gospel, and you believed the truth of the gospel. Watch out when they have the five ways to make your marriage better. It better get down to Jesus Christ. It better get down to that. Otherwise, you're doing rather than trusting and then him doing through you. It's very subtle. Because guess what? You do want to have a better marriage. Guess what? You do want to follow the Lord better. Guess what? We do want to not sin in those ways. Yeah, we do. But don't get taken captive. Our relationship with Christ is centered in the context of faith and his truth. We walk by faith and his word controls us. The knowledge of his will fills our hearts and enables us to obey him with a changed heart. But false teachers attempt to deceive you, delude you, that you're walking by faith when you're walking by doing rather than trusting in Jesus Christ. It's very subtle. It's all about trusting in Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Satan, through evil men and impostors, will attack that truth and try to delude you, persuade you religiously, whether it's through theology, whether it's through following the, the way certain... you know. It's fine to read a book about the reformers, but don't idolize them. They're men, they're sinful men. Look at the word of God. Rely on Jesus Christ. Rely on Jesus Christ. I don't want to look at their walk and see how to walk. I want to look at the, the for what the word says. All kinds of examples. Let me ask you this. Is there any area in your life you have yielded to uh, 
these evil men and imposters where you've been taken captive through maybe good desires for your your marriage, your family, church, you know, the way you interact with the world, whatever it might be, to stop from sin, pornography, whatever it might be. Is there any waste place you've gotten taken captive? Rather than according to Christ. It's the simplicity of a devotion to Christ. And it's the good fight of faith. It's a battle. Our flesh doesn't want to do it. The world is going against it. Uh, we've got a deceiver against us. We have what we've seen here and the people trying to take us captive. See to it that you see to it lest you be, lest someone take you captive. Lest someone take you captive. Have you been taken captive through unwatchfulness, uh, disobedience, or ignorance? Just confess. I guarantee right now, if you've been enslaved, it's no fun. It's no fun. And you are literally a punching bag for Satan. It's time to confess your sin, trust the Lord, trust Jesus, and allow his word to control you and grow up. All of us need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. See to it that no one takes you captive to philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Today we've seen how we can escape the trap of false teaching. We need to watch out lest we be taken captive. And as we're going to see next week, and we have already begun to see, instead we need to trust Christ and his absolute sufficiency. Paul's going to share that we have Christ in us, he's already a hope of glory. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in the next verse he's going to say, in Christ are all, all the fullness of deity dwells. He's God. Don't go for this other stuff. Go to God. And in him, chapter 2, verse 10, we've been made complete. Everything you need is in Jesus. Don't let them take you captive. He has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. We have his precious and magnificent promises. As you received him, so walk in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the warning I pray that we would see to it, that we'd be on the alert, that we would not be taken captive by uh, evil men and imposters using the world's wisdom to try to follow you. Lord, may we see it right away. May we be built up in the Word so that we can spot it. May we turn away right away. May we abide in your Son, Jesus, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We abide in our Lord and his word in us. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.